Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I want you to get the word double in your mind. Just think double right now. Just As I'm preaching, don't let it overwhelm you. Double. Turn and greet someone. You may be seated. So grateful that we didn't get ice Mageddon. Wow. It didn't look good, but here we are, and so thankful that you guys believed that the streets were not slick, because they weren't, and, uh, and they aren't. And so thank God that we were able to uh, go ahead and, and do this today. You guys know me well enough to know that I'm better than postal service, rain, hail, sleet, or snow. We're going to do church, baby. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're doing a series entitled Transition. How many of you know change is not easy? It's not easy for anybody. Any type of change in our lives or uh, things that appear that need to be changed are challenges. So I want you to know that if, if you're challenged today by transition or change, you're in good company because we all are. And that is just something that we deal with. And so hopefully this series will help us get, get through it. Um, a, a, a plane was en route to Chicago when all of a sudden... Uh, this blonde-headed, beautiful lady decided to go from economy to first class. When she walked onto the airplane, she noticed there were plenty of first-class seats open, and she thought, why not? So she gets up out of her economy seat, walks up to first class, sits down like she owns it. Flight attendant sees her this whole time making the move and knows that she's going to have to address it. So she chooses to go to the lady politely and say, ma'am, you bought an economy ticket, and this is first class, and I'm going to need to ask you to, uh, to get up and move to the back, uh, back to your seat. And the woman responded to her very, very firmly. She said, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, I'm going to Chicago, and I'm staying here. <laughs> Flight attendant is a little perplexed because she thought, well, certainly, I, I asked her politely, and she continued to try to coax her and explain to her why this wasn't going to work, and, and she got nowhere. So finally, the flight attendant goes to the cockpit, closes the door, and tells the pilot and co-pilot, he said, we've got a, we've got a passenger that is not compliant. Um, uh, she's a blonde-headed lady, and uh, she uh, went from economy to first class. I, I, I tried to get her to go back to her seat. She won't go. Well, the co-pilot says, well, you know, don't worry about it, pilot. I'll, I'll handle this, and walks out with the flight attendant, and she was pretty obvious. He knew who she was, because the flight attendant had explained her pretty, pretty clearly. And uh, so the co-pilot goes over and goes, ma'am, I, I just need you to understand that what the flight attendant is asking you to do really is required by FFA, FAA, you need, to, you need to go back to your economy seat. And uh, that's, we need you to do that right now. And she looked at the co-pilot as she did the flight attendant. She said, I'm beautiful, I'm blonde, I'm going to Chicago, and I'm staying right here. Co-pilot, flight attendant, go back up in the cockpit. The pilot's there. And the pilot said, well, how'd it go? It didn't go good at all. Pilot said, well, did you say she's blonde? Co-pilot said, yeah. He said, look, I'm married to a blonde, therefore I speak blonde. <laughs> co-pilot gets up. Co-pilot takes the controls. Pilot gets up, goes back, just simply walks up to the lady, bends down, whispers in her ear. 
And immediately she gets up from her first class seat and walks back to her economy seat. Flight attendant's blown away. So she follows the pilot back up to the cockpit. Co-pilot finds out what happened. They both looked at the pilot and said, what did you say to her that made her move? We tried everything. He said, I simply told her, first class isn't going to Chicago. I could only tell that because I only see one blonde here. Uh, so, and all of you blondes watching online, we love you. You know, sometimes it's difficult to change people's minds, but sometimes all you have to do is figure out the right thing to say. You know, just to help them along. And sometimes when change doesn't occur fast enough or it's not going quite like we'd like it to, uh, all of a sudden we, we get angry, we get frustrated. We want to call the police. We want to, you know, we want to do something to make people change. And sometimes you just have to learn to speak their language. And that's not always easy. But, you know, if we're willing to allow God to use us and change us, then the only way others are going to be changed is if we ourselves are willing to reveal change to them and speak with them. C.S. Lewis put it best when he said, It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are all like eggs at present. And you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary egg, decent egg. We must be hatched or we go bad. In other words, we can't stay in the same place that we're in right now and hope to see different things happen in our lives. To me, attending church, being in church, listening to people preach, listening to the Bible, reading the Bible, whatever you do to get <clears throat> truth in you is going to serve you and help you change. We're all growing. I go to the gym four or five days a week typically, and without fail, I'll be listening to two or three preachers, and there will be a time I'll be in the gym for an hour, and I'll listen to at least two sermons because I want to change. And the only way that I can continue to change is to continue to hear Ways that I can change, hear somebody talk to me in a way that causes me to go, I can do that. I can make this shift. I love seeing this crowd here today, uh, being that it is now the third Sunday in January, and typically all of the resolutions are about to fade. <laughs> I promise God I'll be in church all year long. As a matter of fact, I'm going to step it up. I'm even going to serve. Oh, God bless you. You know, we, we start making all these promises, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I understand that everybody has, a, a, you know, you're well-intentioned, but the reality is it takes a change, a metamorphosis in our soul to truly sustain the changes that we want to make. You know, sometimes people will change for us, but unless they change for them, their change will be short-lived. You know, you can spank a child and, and teach a child the consequences of wrong behavior, and you can modify that behavior because of pain and consequences. Have they really changed? No, they haven't really changed. All they've done is decided, I don't like pain. So they modify their behavior without changing their heart. If you can help a child understand why they're in trouble and help make change in their soul, then when you're not around, they'll behave the same way. But what happens is we think that behavior modification is the same as transformation, and it's not. 
And that's what I'm going to talk about in Romans chapter 12 today. If you'll turn there, verses 1 and on. I'm going to read this out of the NIV. It says, therefore I urge you. Paul's telling the church at Rome, this is so incredibly important. Let me urge you. And as I read this, let me urge you to keep the dream and the vision that I talked about a week or two ago before you. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your bathroom. Keep it before you that you are committed to change this year. You're committed to transition. You're committed to going from glory to glory and becoming the best version of you that you could ever hope to be. Paul said, I urge you. This is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. This is absolutely critical to your life. In view of God's mercy, another phrase that is so important, I urge you, brothers, in view of, not in view of God's judgment, not in view of condemnation, but in view of God's mercy, understanding as I urge you to do this, the mercies of God are available. And I want you to see this, this need to change in light of the mercy of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So spiritual act of worship, that means an internal act, not just lifting your hands and raising your voice, but your spiritual act of worship is offering yourself up to God as a living sacrifice, saying, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to do, God, I will do that. I will do that. I offer myself up to you. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So very first thing I want to talk about, that word transformed is the word metamorpho in the Greek, which means a transition, a change. Metamorphosis is what we uh, that's referring to, in other words, making a total radical change on the inside. In other words, you're going to look different even. You know, if you've ever seen anyone who was really hell-bent, lost without God in your life, and then you run into them a year later and you find out that nine months ago they got born again, they gave their life to Jesus, something happens. You can see it. They didn't change their hairstyle. They still looking funky. But something is different up in here. You can see it in their eyes that there has been a change, a metamorphosis. Something has happened. Transformation begins with sacrifice. Paul said living sacrifice. In other words, God's not asking you to quit living, to die. He's actually asking you to start living. In other words, allow yourself or empower yourself to listen to God and make the changes that God would have you make. The uh, Message Bible says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Place it before God as an offering. So let's look at this. We sacrifice what we know for what God promises. In other words, there are a lot of things I know 
And there are a lot of things I would cling to. Um, I know that when someone hurts me, I want to hurt them back. Is that right? I mean, maybe some of you don't. You're extra sweet. It's just been my carnal nature that, that hasn't always been sacrificed to God that if you hurt me, I want to hurt you back. It's a reaction. If somebody slaps you, you're either stunned or you slap them back. Those are things I know about me, but God promises that his love never fails. So I have to give up what I know I want to do for what God has called me to do. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love you, so you have to learn to fall in love with you. That means look in the mirror and go, hello, doll. I mean, you've got to do something that makes you love you. And and you know what? The reason we don't love us is because, listen to this, because we don't perform well enough in our mind to satisfy God. You see, most of church and religion is all about performance and living a life in such a way that we feel like we can perform well enough to satisfy God. Paul said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about sacrificing the things you want to do, the things you know by your carnal nature to do, and and rely on the promises of God. What does God say? You want to get back at someone who hurts you, but God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Now, I even have a hard time with that, even though I get excited about it sometimes. The problem is you get too excited, God won't let you be there and know that he did pay back in full, or that you're the one that's going to get paid back in full because you did something stupid. But anyway, you sacrifice what you do know for the promises of God. And I do know what I want to do, and I do know my carnal nature, and I do know how I react and want to react and respond when wrong is done. But you know what? If you've had a transformation, not a behavior modification, when all hell breaks out against you, you're not having to think about how to respond because you already know how to respond. You have been transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now you no longer have an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. Second thing is, we must not sacrifice what we do know about God for what we don't know about God. You know, I don't know why my life took a turn three years ago. I I have no idea. And, you know, I, I mean, my whole world was shattered. It was broken to pieces. And I, I could look back and try to say, God, why did you let that happen? I, you see what I'm saying? Or I could even get a little more religious and say, God, why did you cause that to happen? Because that's what a lot of us do. We look at God and we say, you either allowed this or caused it. But the reality is, the Bible says in the world, we have tribulation. Take courage, I've overcome the world. So here's what I do know. 2009, a very dear friend of mine called me when I was on vacation. I had just been with he and his family in Austin, Texas. Pastor's a big church there. And we had just been with his family. And he called. I got a call and found out that his son had been killed in a one-car accident. Caleb, 17 years old. And when I flew in to speak at the funeral, me and two other guys did the funeral. The place was packed, 5,000 people in this auditorium. It was an outpouring because this is one of the finest men you'll ever meet. You know, I couldn't stand up, and nobody at that funeral could stand up and tell me why that happened. To this day, here we are, all eight years later, don't know, I don't know. But I do know this. I'm not going to trade what I do know about God for what I don't know about God. And what I do know about God is he is a God of mercy, a God of salvation, a God of grace. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So I have a transformed mind and a way of thinking 
that I don't have to explain God to everybody. All I know is this. The Bible says the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What I do know is that when I'm having a hard time, God's up to the hard time. He's asking me the question, are you a living sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice what you think you know for what you don't know? Said so God, here it is. My trust and my faith is in you. I can't explain it. I can't answer for it, but I can do this. I can keep my trust in you because the day will come when we will be set free from our mortality and made immortal and the devil will have no place again because the Bible says in heaven there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness and that day will come in the twinkling of an eye so we rejoice knowing though I don't know about today, I know about eternity. And I am not going to give way to the devil and let him talk me out of or consequence me out of what I know God has for me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So whenever I get weak, guess what? I don't need to just sit around and say, okay, what can I do to get strong? I need to sacrifice a praise to God. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And the Bible says he inhabits the praises of people. So if ever I'm depressed, I just need to lift my hands to heaven and start rejoicing in the Lord and singing praise to God because he said I'll be there. And if I'm there, joy's coming. Instead, those of us who are analytical, I'm a thinker by the Myers-Briggs. I'm an ESTJ. I'm an extrovert, sensor, thinker, judger. Now, the judger means I'm highly principled and I'm highly organized. A thinker means that before I feel, I will think. Now, I've started twisting that a little bit and balancing that because my first thought is, what the heck's up, God? Sometimes I don't use heck. <laughs> Let's do that for the sake of this audience. Anyway, so... I mean, I'm just being real with you. It's not always pretty when something I can't explain happens. And then I go, hold on, hold on. This is a moment in time, and this moment will not define all time. I will not allow that to happen. You know, I, I mean, my whole world has changed. My whole world has shifted. And, and, you know, I stand in Oklahoma City today with great joy in my heart. And I can stand and face my world because God is greater in me than everything in the world around me. Well, Pastor, I'm not that way. I'm just afraid. Then you know what you got to do? Sometimes you just got to do what you don't want to do afraid. You get up afraid. You stand up afraid. You sing afraid. You go to work afraid. You face afraid. And then you just get in afraid's face. We call it a phrase going to efface you yeah I was scared to come back here I, I had a police officer at the, the first two services at Noah's I didn't know who wanted to kiss me or slap me so I thought hey I ain't gonna get in a fight though it might be fun you know throwback Thursday you know what's that a fight but since it was Sunday, I thought I'd better have an officer hit somebody back since it wasn't Thursday. And I couldn't go, it's TBT, you know. Throwback Thursday. Anyway, so some of y'all haven't been on social media. I mean, I, I like all those little TBTs and W-whatevers. And uh, <laughs> then we sacrifice some of those things we want to do. He said, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. 
In other words, we can't act like the world. We have to sacrifice some of our behavior, a lot of our behavior, in order to represent the kingdom of God well. Because there are times you just want to reach out and slap somebody. And this is where transformation comes in because now you and I don't have a strong enough will to keep that will going. It will fracture. Your will will fracture. My will will fracture. We have to have a change, a transformation inside. Because if somebody catches you on a bad day outside, you might do something bad on that bad day. But if you are transformed, immediately the Holy Spirit kicks in and you don't do what your flesh wants you to do. Sometimes. I didn't sacrifice my horn the other night. Somebody was driving stupid. Probably one of y'all going, I saw that mosaic sticker on the back of your car. I want to take that off so bad you have no idea. But I've got to be the example. Hi, Mosaic Church OKC. I think I want to have another one made that says saved but not sanctified. Transformation is also about a life of surrender. It's not just a sacrifice. So in other words, it's not just giving things up, but it's realizing that every moment that there is a sacrifice, that my life, I'm not doing the sacrifice as unto men, but as unto the Lord, because I'm surrendered to God. That means holding both hands up, saying, God, I hold nothing in my hands that could harm you or others, because if I harm others, it's as though I'm harming God. He said, if you've given someone a a glass of water in my name, you've done it unto me. So whatever you do to others, you're doing it as unto the Lord. So we need to live a surrendered life. It says in the message, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Not performance, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. In other words, whatever God is having you do, embrace it. In other words, if tomorrow you don't like your boss and God says, I want you to go in and I just want you to give him a handshake or a hug. And you go, oh, I'll embrace that, but I ain't embracing them. No, you've got to embrace them. And by embracing them, you're embracing what God called you to do. This is transformation. It's difficult to love people who are not lovable. You, don't, you can't go up and hug somebody who loves you and get anything out of that because they love you. But the minute you start surrendering your life and your love to people who hate your guts, something supernatural breaks loose in heaven. Now, this is not an easy task. I'm not suggesting that this is simple. I mean, all of us have people that in our lives that for some reason trigger the carnal out of us. I mean, they can pull you into hell that quick. Just, just mention their name and you can see your eyes light up with flames. The problem is, the reason change is so difficult is we actually believe there's a thing called security on this side of heaven. When I was growing up, my dad had one plan for my life. How many of you know that everybody's got a plan for your life, especially if they're family? And dads, usually their plan is, get a job. And make your own way because I'm tired of supporting you. But my dad had this idea that there were companies back in my day that were considered safe companies and secure jobs. That was a day when they had unions and things of that nature. And you could almost not get fired even if you were a fool. I mean, there was a guy, I was a union rep, a union steward in one of my companies. And 
And we had this guy that I couldn't stand. He was on my crew. I couldn't stand him. And the boss, he was always doing stuff wrong, and, and I, I couldn't even defend the guy. I, I just I told the boss, fire him, and the union would get mad at me. But anyway, back to the security thing. Secure job. Dad, get a secure job where they can't fire you, where you got insurance benefits and you have retirement. Can I tell you something? Those jobs don't exist anymore. And I'm almost glad they don't. Let me tell you why. Because we put our security in a corporation instead of God. We relied on something or someone other than the only true one. So the reason people don't change much is they're afraid. So you have to do it afraid. Helen Keller said, security is mostly a superstition. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Security is superstition. So if you're thinking about changing, realize Right now, you may feel like your security is being challenged, but the reality is there's no such thing. Make change a little easier. Transform people no longer promise God. They cling to the promises of God. How many of you have ever said, God, if you'll just get me out of this ticket, I promise I'll go, you'll do the Medea. I'll go by the church on Sunday. You didn't say you go to church on Sunday. I go, I drove by the church. So you make promises. God, if you'll give me a raise... I'll actually give you some of it. Instead of saying, God, you're the one that started all this. You said that, that you would provide for all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God, I'm not going to make a deal. God is not Bob Barker or whoever the guy was. Let's make a deal. Quit making a deal with God. Claim the promises of God and quit promising God what you're going to do. Remind God what he promised to do. You know what? And God's up today. He said, well, that, isn't that kind of... No, God wants you to. He said, call me into remembrance of my word. Call me into remembrance. Remind me of what I told you I would do. What are my promises? If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. That's my promise. You give and it'll be given. That's my promise. My promise is no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. He didn't say there wouldn't be a weapon formed against you. He said there won't be one that will be formed against you that will prosper. What he's saying is it won't have success. You know, throughout the Bible, I see all kinds of things that confuse me. I don't know how many of you read it that way, but I'm just confused. I am regularly confused when I read the Bible. It's almost like, why read? I'm, I'm confused. God says, because it creates trust. If it happened for David, it can happen for you. Everybody loves to preach about David, how he had an affair with, with Bathsheba. He killed Uriah. Preachers preach on it all the time, but they don't like embracing it. I leaned on that promise. I said, God, whatever you did for David, you'll do for me. No, let me tell you something. It's time to church to get real. We don't talk about things we ought to be talking about. I'm talking about it right now. And people say, he shouldn't be back in ministry. I'm back in ministry. Let me tell you why. I believe in the promises of God. I'm not going to stay out because of public opinion. I have God's opinion. And he said, my gifts and callings are irrevocable. Get your booty up. We didn't say that, but it was close. How am I going to stand before Jesus someday and say, well, but God, uh, the people said, and this is what he said, look, you have been listening to the wrong voices and making the wrong choices. Get up and do what I called you to do. See, God, excuses don't fly with God. Transformed people don't give excuses. There is no excuse for disobedience, folks. Well, God is hard. They didn't want me to. They criticized me. 
That's what we do. And we excuse ourselves from obeying God because of what people think. Let me tell you, people will always have an opinion of you. But God has a promise made to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are mine always. Transformation doesn't ask what's best for me. It asks what's best for all. Let me tell you something. I believe, and this has been my prayer since I came back, God, show the world that you don't just restore people in the chairs, but you restore people on the platforms. It's easy. I had people come up to me and say, you know, I actually had one attorney right after my situation happened. He came up and said, and he, he would only come to hear me preach. He said, I don't even like church and I hate pastors, but I like you. He said, I don't even like church, but I come and hear you. Now, I'm not saying it's so arrogant. This is just who this guy was. And here's what bothered me. He looked at me and he said, well, Mark, he said, I've sat and listened to you preach for years. How come this works for us, but it doesn't work for you? And I sat there and I went, uh. <laughs> And it made me think, why wouldn't this work for me? Why couldn't God forgive me? Why couldn't God restore me? Why couldn't God reinstate me? Why couldn't I keep doing what I'm doing? And I'm doing what I've been doing for nearly 40 years. Transformation reminds us that first shall be last and the last shall be first. I don't always have to be in first. You guys have heard me tell the story that when I was going through my counseling, my counselor said, you are in too big a hurry in life. And those of you who know me know that was true. She'd tell me, go the speed limit and get in the longest line at Target. I have no patience for lines. And if any of y'all ever see me in any kind of retail store... Do not get behind me. Inevitably, at one point, the ten people in front of me, at least two of them are going to need a price check and there's nobody to find the price. And you're just about there. Everything's moving smoothly. Nine people go fast and the tenth person goes, I'm not sure. Did I get a discount? Can you check? I think that's less than that. Price check. And then the, the one opens right next to you, and you're tempted to go over there. I couldn't even go over there. So, Sir, we'll take you out. You don't understand. I can't. Why? My counselor said I have to stay in the longest line as long as it... And I have to stay in that line until I go through. I'm telling you, everything in me is just like, ha, ah, ah. I didn't know if I wanted to kill the person in front of me or go to the next line more. I wasn't sure which. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to the next line, all right? I'm going to do both. I'm just done. See, if all you can do is will that kind of thing, it doesn't work long. In other words, if all I was doing was modifying my behavior because my counselor told me to, but what I realized wasn't that, that she was telling me to do this just to discipline me, but Mark, you need a heart change. You need a transformation to realize that in this moment, God may have something for you in this slow line that might change someone's life. So just hold on. 
Just hold on. Don't see what's happening around you. Look for what's happening within you. Rest in the Lord. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'm learning to rest. I still honk every now and then. I'm never going to be perfect, but I'm better than I was. I really am. I, I can stand in line now. As a matter of fact, I'm in a habit of kind of looking for long lines. I'm... I'm in a kinky way getting kind of excited about it. (laughs) Transformation is internal, not external. In other words, your will can be broken unless you're doing His will. So if my will is ever challenged, I realize I'm not walking in his will because I'm feeling the pain of my will. So whenever you start feeling anxiety and anger and frustration, can I help you with something? It's because you're trying to will something. That's behavior modification. I'm not modifying my behavior. I am doing a soul transformation in my life. I'm doing it every day. I am learning. I'm growing. I'm trying. Because I have realized that God does have my best in mind. And I know I live in a fallen world. And in a fallen world, the pattern of the fallen world is to always blame somebody or blame self or blame God. That's the the pattern of this world. And, And you know what? I do have compassion on people who grew up in a religious church or didn't grow up in church at all. And, and you try to un- help them understand God, which good luck with that. And if you ever do, please let me know because I don't understand. But here's what I do know. I- I'm not giving up what I know for what I don't understand. And what I do know is this, that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was addicted to drugs, but now I'm in love with God. I'm telling you right now, my life is changed and transformed, not because I know how bad drugs are, but I know how good God is. And that I find myself in a far more peaceful place, surrendered to Him. You'll be changed, Message Bible says, from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Quickly respond to it. I've had a couple of situations over the last month that really challenged me. And I will probably continue to have these kinds of situations in that I came back to a city, a market that is considered a small market, not only in basketball... But as far as cities go, we're pretty well, you know, you know people around here. And what I find is when there's someone in the room that I know doesn't like me, the first thing I know to do is go up and hug them. In other words, respond quickly. And once you've done that, it just feels so much better to know you did what God wanted you to do. You embraced what God wanted you to do. Sometimes we we spend our whole lives running. And the reason we do is because we don't trust our reaction, our response to crisis. So for me, uh, I used to uh, not go places where I knew I might want to hit someone. Well, many pastors tell you that truth today. And there are pastors who do want to hit someone sometimes. Come back next week, I promise, I'm good. 
because uh, I'm not willing this. I've been transformed. I'm just saying that in my carnal mind, there are times you just want to go, you know what? I think we need to just settle this. <laughs> Instead of saying, you know what? I just want God to settle this. And the only way God settles anything, guess what? It's through love. Kumbaya. Come by here quickly, God. And so, rather than living a life of avoidance because of a fear that you have, live a life of engagement because of faith that you have in God. Believing that being transformed, that you will respond the way Christ would want you to respond without having to even think about your will. Transformation creates new core values. Transformation finds its behavior in a new way of thinking as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. A change in behavior is the result of a change in thinking and not consequence driven. And that's what I was talking about earlier. If you can teach a child to do right, if you can teach them and re calibrate their thinking then with or without you they'll begin to behave that way it takes patience transformation is a process the word metamorphosis and we go back to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly there are four stages in that process and, and it begins with larva and it, and it goes to adulthood in adulthood or the completion of that process we have a butterfly the reality is is that that caterpillar is a butterfly. It just hadn't got its wings yet. The moment it becomes larva, God's plan for that caterpillar was to become a butterfly. So if it stays a caterpillar, it will never fly. You can put wings on the cocoon. It ain't going anywhere. And what we try to do, religion tries to put wings on people who come to church. They're never going to fly. You tell them what to do, they, behave, they, they, they modify their behavior... And they go out and they still live the same way for the next 10 years because you never told them you have to go through the process. And all you got to do is be honest with the process and wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. The only way you get wings is by going through the process. You don't get wings because you come to church. You don't get wings because you do good. You do wings because your life is sacrificial and surrendered to God. And you say, God, here's the process. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I trust you. Don't mistake behavior modification with soul transformation. That's simple. You know what? In this church, if you're a cusser, I don't expect you to stop. You know, I've heard people say, you don't, we don't say that in church lobbies. We, we do in Mosaic. If that's, that's what you said at, on cue... Then I cue you to do it here. Now, I know this rocks your religious world, but listen, here's the problem. Why would I want to come to a church, modify my behavior for one hour, and the rest of the week be another way? You say, because it's just the right thing to do. Okay, let me help you with something. This is why the church is going to be antiquated and outdated if we do not understand. I'm not conforming to the pattern of this world. 
But what I am saying is I want this world to conform to the pattern of God. And the only way to do that is to allow people to have a soul transformation and quit expecting a behavior modification. Okay, so probably I should have done that my first point, try to explain myself out of it, but I can't now. Um, and I, I wrote this, I'm going to conclude with this, and I want to leave it with you as a, something to process throughout the week. The reason I say this is because I know a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life, and I've been blessed to have known a lot of people and um, in a lot of circles, political circles, athletic circles. Uh, I led one of the Thunder to the Lord the first year that the Thunder were in town. And uh, he would call me from the road, and he would tell me what he was going through. And, and uh, you know, I couldn't tell him, don't do this, don't do that. I, I just, I just turned him to the Lord. I just reminded him of the promises of God and the love of God. Because I knew that if I was going to require change, he was going to see me as someone who only loved him conditionally. Unconditional love doesn't condone bad behavior. But it loves the person in the midst of that bad behavior. And that love is what creates or stimulates or begins a soul transformation. The reason people want to change is because they feel the love of God. And they, that touches their soul instead of addressing their behavior. And when you touch someone's soul with the love of God, they'll begin to desire what God desires. They'll begin to want what God wants. And it'll begin to happen from the inside out. And let me leave you with this. Behavior modification only works when the pressure on the outside is less than our capacity on the inside. The minute the pressure on the outside exceeds my capacity of love, grace, mercy, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit. The minute that pressure exceeds the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to give in to the pressure. Because all I've done is modified my behavior. But if I can grow in the fruit of the Spirit every day, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. If I can grow in those things every day, I don't even have to think about modifying my behavior. I don't have to think about all the things I shouldn't do or all the don'ts in my life. I'm a do guy. Tell me what to do, not what not to do. Because you tell me what not to do, my carnal flesh is going to be, I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what we do? But you tell me what I need to do, what I can do to make this better. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. That's what I want us to do. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes if you would please. And those of you here in this, this room and those watching online, please understand right now, all I would pray for you is this, is that you'd surrender your heart and your sin to God. You say, my sin? You know what? Your sin is the greatest gift you can give God today. Because you know what it says? God, as I trust you. To handle my sin, you already did it 2,000 years ago. So today I surrender to you, and I've been bowing my knee to my sin. And once you bow your knee to God, it doesn't mean you won't sin. It just means that sin will no longer have dominion over your life. You'll be peppered with it instead of controlled by it. And when you surrender to God, that's when the whole process begins, the metamorphosis, the transformation process. So those of you who say, man, I had no idea I could be a Christian and believe in Jesus and let him change my life instead of me changing to become a Christian 
my Christianity will be what starts changing me. So if you say, I want that in my life, those of you watching online, right where you're at, and those in here, you're saying, that's what I want today. Pray for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is not about anybody else but you and God. And what I'm about to ask you to do is simply an acknowledgement. I need this. And I want to ask you, if you say, I need this today to change my life. I need to be a follower of Christ. I want to ask you to slip your hand up, put it right back down right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many of you, and those of you watching online, uh, I want you to do it right there in your living room. Just, just an acknowledgement. God, today, I want to be a follower of yours. It's not about me performing before you, but this is about you performing your work in me. And that's what's about to happen, and it's just the beginning. You'll go through the process. And let me tell you something. One day, because you wait on the Lord, you're going to soar. You're going to fly. You're going to mount up with wings as eagles, and you're going to soar. doesn't mean you're not going to hit turbulence and have tough times. But it means that you're going to learn how to rise above your own carnality and secular responses that give birth to nothing but anger and hate. And you're going to respond out of love. It's going to change your life. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, I surrender to you today. I I surrender my life, my sin. I surrender everything, God. And I thank you for Jesus who came to make my life possible. To bring forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.